One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Today's episode is sponsored by my Lit Daily Online Yoga Classes. This is an exclusive pass into my personal practice and program that I created from experience as a physical therapist and 20 years developing my Lit Yoga methodology. There is a different class with me every day, including special monthly live streams, so you can feel your most lit up anytime and anywhere. Get a three-day free trial today by going to movementbylara.com and clicking daily classes. Let's get moving. Today, I'm thrilled to have a gold medalist on my podcast, Michelle Jizen, who is a Swiss World Cup alpine ski racer competing in all disciplines, is also a gold medalist in the 2018 Winter Olympics. She is fabulous and I just adore her. We met about a year and a half ago when she contacted me on Instagram and asked if I would work with her on her form, hip mobility, shoulder stuff. And we I developed some routines for her that she's been incorporating and that has helped her a lot. And I welcome Michelle today to my podcast. Welcome to Redefining Yoga, a Movement by Lara podcast, which is designed to investigate all aspects of the modern evolution of yoga from my background as a physical therapist and lover of movement. My mission is to help everyone find freedom through safer and smarter movement patterns so together we can be uplifted, benefiting all beings. I am so thrilled to have a special guest today, an Olympian, my first Olympian I've ever had on here, Michelle. I want you to pronounce your last name. Jazine. Jazine. I, I knew I'd mess it up. Um, she is a Swiss Alpine gold medalist, downhill skier. And well, Alpine is much more than that. I'm going to let you tell us a little bit about your life now as a gold medalist. First of all, welcome. And for those who maybe didn't watch you in this last Olympics, can you tell us what you what you got your gold medal in? Well, first, thank you so much for for letting me join the show and, and letting me join your podcast as I'm I'm such a fan of yours and I adore all everything you just said. It's it's uh, such an amazing introduction of of what you do and and how you yeah, shine your light in this world. I really love that. And yeah, I'm I'm an alpine skier, so I try to go as fast as I can. Um on, on snow <laughs> downhill, <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's a wonderful sport, but it's very a, a very physical sport. So yeah, you we're confronted with a lot of injuries, and yeah, it's it's not the, the easiest sport. It's pretty risky, so that's why I found my way to yoga. Also, 
It is amazing. So the goal is to go as fast as you can, throttling down the hill on two little skis. <laughs> and <laughs> I mean, th- when did you <laughs> when did you start doing this? Because I can imagine this is something you've got to start young and do um, just consistently to get not only familiar, but just really comfortable with those kinds of speeds. Yeah, absolutely. I started skiing when I was actually only one year old. So maybe even before I could really walk, but my parents are huge fanatics. They love to ski. We live in the Swiss Alps, so a lot of mountains. Yeah, there there are a lot of (laughs) steep hills here and we live in a valley. Actually, it's snowing really like crazy right now, finally, because we just, everything was just green a couple days ago. And yeah, finally it's winter. And if you look out there right now, you understand, uh, you absolutely understand how they got so fanatic about skiing. And yeah, they just took us with them because they wanted to go back skiing. They didn't ever would have imagined to bring three of all of their kids to a World Cup level, which they actually did somehow. And, and it was never their dream to make us like super uh, fast skiers, but they just wanted to share the joy of, of the sport. And I think that's what made us pretty good. I think so. <laughs> and I think it's a really good point to, that, you know, they weren't forcing it, you know, because there are a lot of high elite athletes where, unfortunately, the parents do get a bad rap for being these, you know, just uh, starting at a young age and and pushing and driving the, the kid. And so in a way, the parent and child aren't separated but I think it actually speaks a lot to your parents' love for you and the sport that all three of you got into it because you, yeah. you know what, they just exposed you to it. And 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 by doing that and their own joy in it, it sounds like you all fell in love with it and had, of course, some kind of DNA inner drive to, yeah. to succeed. <laughs> so your sister is, is, the fir- is the first, is that correct? Yeah. And then my brother just, uh, yeah got into it too. And then I just stumbled along because I was five and eight years younger than those two. And I just wanted to do what they are doing. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, as I got older, I, I myself found the, the, the spark of passion. And yeah, I, I joined the, the family tradition, what seems to be uh, a family tradition. <laughs> That's amazing. So talk us through this. When, when it, at what point did it become a hobby, a passion, a family activity, and then transfer into something that you are doing as a full-time profession? Well, it starts to get really serious at like when you're 16, but I I think that's the thing. Uh, You just said it with my parents that I feel like when I was 16 years old, it was a huge decision for myself to to yeah for for my future i had to decide if i want to stay in in the, our normal school uh, in i think that's high school yeah mm-hmm. to prepare for college or if i wanted to go to a sports school um, which i'm grateful is also in in where we live so i could still stay home and and uh, live here but yeah you 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 get to this professional lifestyle and you start to train really hard so yeah, I think it's really cool that this was my decision. It was never like, yeah, you sis- your sister did it and your brother did it. So you just will do it too. But uh, yeah, it, it uh, was a pretty hard decision to make. 
because at 16, you have to be sure. <laughs> but yeah, Hard in the are. sense that you weren't sure if you would be giving up something from a kind of normal high school experience or hard because of the physicality to it or all of the above? Yeah, I think I think it was the, it was really hard because I, I was kind of a nerd uh, without studying a lot, but I loved school and I loved, yeah, I had a great, I had great classmates and we, they, there was such a, drive to to knowledge you know it, it was a it was pretty good class I think it's not that everyone can enjoy that and and I think that was so cool and then they were all preparing for college and your university and and I realized okay if you go to sports school well you can still go to university afterwards I still got my high school degree but yeah they they had more topics to do and more topics to choose and it's just a better preparation for, for college. So I think, yeah, that, that was the moment I thought, ah, oh, but I would love to learn all this stuff, you know, but in the end, the love for skiing. Uh, yeah, right. And, I, and, and, and like many professional athletes, um, it is assumed there is a shelf life for your body to do such, um, you know, to perform at this elite level, whereas you could, you know, somebody in their 70s can come back and and go to college and, and go to university. So exactly. um, what kind of, what is the hardest, I mean, people ask a lot of questions and, and I'm, and I'm going to kind of put them in different buckets, but a <laughs> lot were about the physical part of it. Like what is the hardest part on your body in terms of the way you're training? <laughs> Uh, well, it's, uh, it's our quads. So we got Mm -hmm. huge legs. Mm -hmm. (laughs) My boyfriend is an alpine skier too, and he's pretty small and he he has, it's like a trunk. He has, (laughs) (laughs) he has two legs that seem just like tree trunks and he's so strong. So we do a lot of squats and, uh, yeah, we train yeah, we really train a lot for for our leg strength, but it's such a fascinating sport because you have to you have to include everything because we're you we're pretty similar. Our our performance has to be pretty similar as the as of eight hundred meters sprinters. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, two rounds in uh, yeah track and field. But on the other hand, it's so complex. The complex complexity of, of alpine skiing is so high because it's very coordinative and it's actually pretty quick. You have to be pretty quick uh, in your movements and very strong, but still your season, actually I do all the disciplines. So um, now I'm skipping two weekends because it just, uh, yeah, we realized I have to train, but if I wouldn't do that, it's 18 weeks in a row of, of racing and at least two or three races a week. So that's really hard. And you have to have this endurance to keep up all the pace and, and to be still in a good shape at the end of the season to perform again at, at your highest level. Um, yeah. In, in, and you, and those are, that's 18 weeks in different countries sometimes too. Like you're yeah, traveling. Yeah. It's not... So it's yeah. it's not just the actual show up, go as fast as you can. There is like getting there. I've talked to you before because we've worked a little bit together Skype wise, and you were saying like even the schlepping of the equipment and the cold. Yeah. There's all of these other elements that we sometimes don't consider that put it put a lot on your body and your mental state just yeah, to absolutely. just to get there. You know. Yeah. 
Do you have anybody that's carrying your equipment? <laughs> yeah, well, I, I got a technician. Okay. He's great. I love him. He's a... Uh, uh, he's just great. <laughs> and he carries, like he prepares all my skis and he carries them around. That's amazing. Um, but so he has like a little minivan full of skis all the time, mm-hmm. wherever we go. And he has to prepare them and, and he has a table and prepares them and stuff. And that's a huge work. And I would never yeah, have a chance to ski at a level like that without somebody like him and and I would never have a chance to win races or be on a podium without somebody like him because he's so good and and he's such a great great personality so I'm I'm really lucky with that but of course I still to go on a mountain on race day I still carry a lot of stuff and in summer we have to carry sometimes three pairs of skis which are that's around 30 kilos. And then you have a huge backpack with one or two ski boots, your helmet and stuff. And you never warm up. That's that's a huge thing. We talked about that. Right, and I really right. love your shoulder drills. I mm-hmm. do them so ma- many times, but not often enough. <sighs> Usually when it's too late, I yeah. do them. <laughs> right. Because we never warm up. And then we put all this stuff on our shoulders and it puts you in a horrible state. Like you carry it and, and the skis are, are like that and then you, you you slouch and yeah, you you would go crazy. <laughs> I know, I need to come and help yeah. you guys out. So yeah. let's backtrack a little bit. You actually contacted me about, a, a, I don't know, a year and a half ago maybe um, exactly. to, to get some advice on your, you, you just, I loved it because you were, you didn't necessarily have anything going on with your body per se, but you wanted to optimize the position you were in, which is you were a champion, you want to go and go back in, you know, not only World Cup, but to the Olympics. And you wanted to make sure that your form was as top notch as it could be. Can you talk me through a little bit like what, you know, where you were in your state of mind that was like, let's look at other factors outside of just the the alpine skiing. And how has that helped you? And and how would you like to further your goals by, you know, practicing other movement patterns? Yeah, I think I have to backpedal even a little more because I started yoga, hmm, I think it's six years ago now because of, yeah, I I was in some pain with my knees and I really, there, it it was just some, some kind of inflammation. So I started, I wanted just to stretch because it was because of the quads were so tight and I actually stumbled upon yoga girl. <laughs> what a surprise. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I, I just fell in love with with uh, Rachel's yeah personality and, and her way of inspiring. I think it's, it's Beautiful. so impressive. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so I, I got to know Rachel Brafen on a Instagram follower level. <laughs> I don't know her actually. But yeah, and then I just loved how she showed easy things of yoga she just uh, explained to you how how to do the movements and how to do a simple uh, sun salutation and not just yeah you see some yoga persons on instagram just doing yeah something you i could never do i think right <laughs> never ever even if i practiced 10 years and then i just got into it and i started to screenshot the uh, yeah, her videos, I stopped them. That was when you could still stop Instagram. So I stopped it and took a screenshot and I started to put my own flow together and I started to feel how much it helped me and how good it, it prepared me for, for all 
that I did. But I think as I got more flexible and more flexible and more flexible, and as my hip joint is super flexible <laughs> already, the joint itself, I um, yeah, I, th- I think I started to to be a little too much in some poses. Yeah, most of it because afterwards I would go ski and have an impact of like 4G on my body. That's not good if you're too flexible. And that's when I I, I already followed you. And uh, yeah, that's that was also through Rachel's podcast. And mm-hmm. it was the most amazing podcast I've ever listened to when you were on the show. I think now it's twice mm-hmm. or uh, times four times I've been on her. Four yeah, times. Oh, yeah. yeah. So yeah. I have to check the last yeah. one. <laughs> And uh, yeah, then I realized, okay, this this woman can help me so much. And uh, yeah, I just tried to reach out to you and you answered immediately. It was so cool. And that was uh, there when we started to talk and that was, yeah, preparing for last season in summer. And uh, yeah, to stabilize kind of my practice Mm -hmm. and learn a lot because I just, it was more of learning by doing when I started practice yoga. And then I, I had some really important uh, things that you taught me, uh, which I should yeah focus on. Yeah, and that helped a lot. And I still do a lot of your drills that you gave me um, for warm up. And yeah, I just love how you can put the whole body in a in a good state. It's not just warming up one muscle or loosening up one joint but preparing everything together. And, and that's why I still, I practice them every day if I'm on the hill. Oh, wow. <laughs> you are, well, way to go. And this is why you're an Olympian because you're dedicated. And that's the thing is to 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 bring in all the tools in your toolbox to help you be your best. And I, I love how you said okay. um, a really important thing, which is if you're real, if you're too flexible and then you have all this demand put on you, four Gs, I mean, my goodness, but I see this a lot in the dance world. I've worked with a lot of dancers and they get really flexible and then they're jumping and landing and it's not maybe four Gs, but it's like, they've got to have this, the tissue hold the joints. And if it's too flexible and they don't have that stability, there's just, they, there's so many dancers that end up with a ton of hip and knee ankle injuries and pain. And so there is this balance that's needed for the, to optimize your performance where you need to be able to mobilize your hip in the fullest range. But within that range, you need strength throughout it. And if, and in the position you're in where you're like super crouched, super flexed, and you just have to hold because you're, you're going at what, what's the speed you're going at the top? It's, um, well, the fastest I've ever been is was uh, 135 kilometers per hour. So I think that's oh 80 miles, more than 80 miles. Oh yeah, more than 80 miles. Yeah, what is that? What is that? Miles. What does that feel like? Do you ever have a moment like, oh shit, I'm gonna yeah, like? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I absolutely do have that um, because I'm usually a slalom skier. I started with slalom skiing, which is just be quick around a lot of gates. You mm-hmm. go with. 60 kilometers per hour, which would be 40 miles. So it's not that fast. And then I started to do downhill skiing, which is super fast. And yeah, every time and every, yeah, the the first downhill race of the season is in Lake Louise. And usually it's also the fastest that we do. And last year it was super fast. That was also when uh, in the last race I, I came, I was skiing with 135. So in the beginning, I just, 
skied down that that pitch where you accelerated that much. And I was just like, okay, everything's going to be okay. Everything's going to be okay. (laughs) So you say that too. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I was so scared. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Then you just have to keep everything together as well as you can, because it will slow down again. Yeah. It's just the moment that you accelerate that much, but yeah, like these, has many parts where you're above uh, 120 kilometers. So that's 80 miles per hour. That's incredible. (laughs) Do you find that um, talking to yourself in that way is what holds you together? Is that, you know, a recommendation as an athlete? Yeah, I think so. Maybe <laughs> it's hard to say. We we we've been talking about this this weekend about the different little. We were imagining little. Uh, yeah, that everyone has a little man in his head, mm-hmm. and mine is is uh, he has a lot of buttons. But <laughs> if he gets scared, he's just running around with his hair on fire. <laughs> but I'm glad that he still pushes the right button. So uh, then I'm uh, usually I'm I'm a very safe skier. I never crashed in downhill mm. because I'm pretty scared also. So I always choose the wiser line. And uh, yeah, you can be very fast on that line usually too. So so it's really a balance yeah. of like pushing your own edges to get faster. Um, when you're trying to get faster, what is it that helps you get faster? That you're tighter, that you're leaning into the hill more? Yeah, also, but uh, on on downhill, in downhill skiing, you you can accelerate without even um, taking the, the, the straightest or the tightest line, but by by using the the G forces out of the swing so well that you can accelerate, even though that you were doing some meters more than than your than the other athletes, but in slalom or or giant slalom, you have to be. It's there's this is so fascinating because it's the same sport, but it works completely different. And the she the skis are like the slalom skis are one meter fifty five, and the my downhill skis are two meters twenty. So that's a huge wow. difference. It's like something completely else, but it's so similar. And, and that's so fascinating because in slalom and GS, you also have um, yeah, this acceleration where you can use your skis, but you, if you do too many, too much way, if you're skiing like much more than the others, you will always lose. But it's also this, this very tight, yeah. Yeah, balance. It's all. It's all right. about balance in our sport. It, it's uh, fascinating. It, it's. I think it is in every sport, right? In addition to the practice on the mountain, the workouts in the gym. What are some and and the yoga practice that you incorporate? What are some other things that you find are really necessary as a professional athlete to help you optimize your performance, mind, body, spirit, everything. Well, yeah, I think it's it's so important to find some time for yourself or also have sometimes you also have to take a day off for your, of your mind mm-hmm. um to not just think about and and yeah, get crazy about getting better all the time because it's what we do or what I do most of the time, but sometimes I really have to uh sit down and and eat something 
not that healthy for us. Right. Which Break is really out. important. Yeah. It, it sounds funny, but then you're just like, okay, no, <laughs> today is, is I'm going to eat something that's just not healthy and not for my ski racing body and or anything. It's just, it's just something else. Or you, yeah, you sit down and you just do nothing or watch like these days, I'm just watching tennis because I love to watch other sports. And then you just sit down without phone, without anything. And, and you try to, to, yeah, enjoy something completely different to get your mind off what, what, yeah. What's, I think that's great. I mean, on your mind. <laughs> yeah. Because what's different, you, you're operating a level that, you know, 99% of the people are not, they're actually the opposite. They're too sedentary. Um, but they might have some of the same, uh, kind of struggle of, of having this end goal, which is, could be a year out, could be two years out or for some people it could be a decade or whatever. And it's like, if you're constantly going for that and never having these pauses, these moments of just being, of yeah. eating what you, you want, of sitting on the couch or whatever yeah. that translates, then you don't, you, we can't sustain ourselves in the high octane, you know, no, no, energy all the time. We just can't, no, yeah. it's not good for you. And then what I've seen with like athletes that retire is they just are at a loss because they've just operated at here and they don't know anything else. And so it's, it is, that's the balance as well. It's like knowing that you're going to have to focus so intently on this very, very specific sport and the different competitions and all that, but at the same time have a, an identity separate from it. Yeah, absolutely. And it's also important to, you know, appreciate and yeah, appreciate your accomplishments along the way because you have everyone has has big goal in life, I think, or is looking or striving for something. But it's so important to have like small goals and, and also appreciate appreciate those because we're always running from one thing to next. And I think as a as an athlete, you you feel that a lot because if I I do like about yeah thirty to thirty five races a year, and all those it's every weekend, so I just have to move on. But sometimes it's so important to just sit down on a Monday and and tell myself, oh, okay, that was that was pretty cool what you did there. Yeah, and yeah, I analyze very well and also. Yeah, analyze without saying, yeah, without yeah, going crazy about what was bad, but seeing the bad things or the things that you can improve and appreciate what what you did and maybe what your body did. And for me also overcoming overcoming my fears in, in downhill is a huge thing. So it's it's important to appreciate all, all those things, you know. And it is. And you know, you have a gold medal, so you're so humble. You could just sit back and retire. Like you have something that <laughs> that is incredible. But I love that you said, like, just appreciate, you know, moment to moment and be able to say, hey, this this was a race. It didn't go exactly as I wanted to, but I showed up. How about I just yeah. showed up? I mean, yeah. I, I even just hearing you say that you still have fear around it. I mean, I think that um that shows you that and and this goes with anything. I mean, I think of like yeah. the, you know, the big wave surfers or like people that have the reality of what they're doing, the the incredible focus, the moment to moment that it, um, focus that's needed, because just for the 
the safety of it, right? You can't, yeah. that you're, you are um, in such a zone. It's incredible. But even to hear that, yeah, you, you have still, you have fear and that's healthy to have. And it also is bringing you to a new level of just inner strength to face yeah, fear okay. and say, it's there, but I'm not going to just let it, you know, destroy me. Yeah. I'm going to, yeah. hello, I'm not, I'm kind of making friends with you. Like I see you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. Fear is, is not the enemy. Fear is kind of a friend because mm-hmm. I mean, fear, there's fear for a reason. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's for good, it's there for a good reason. So I think it's just to accept those things and to, to accept the fear and then you do your best with it and, and appreciate that it, um, yeah, it keeps you safe most of the time or it tries to keep you safe. Mm-hmm. So it's not really the enemy that you have to overcome. It's more than more that you don't have to, yeah, you have to not let it overcome you. So you panic because that's, that's the bad thing. <laughs> you right. shouldn't panic at 135. Never, never. Around. Please don't. Please don't. <laughs> But so yeah, yeah. so if you if, if you were to give advice to someone or even to yourself um what is what's a quote or a saying or a mantra or something that that has helped you through um tougher times periods where you had self-doubt or just any any lower moment do you have any quote that you look to that inspires yeah, I, you I have a couple but the one that uh, helped me a lot is also uh, connected to my uh, Olympic victory because the day before I actually crashed. Actually, I did crash once (laughs) and that was the day before winning my Olympic gold medal. So that was a huge story in itself. We even wrote a book about it. It's pretty interesting. And it's in four languages. Oh my gosh. What's the name of the book? uh, A True Athlete. Okay. It's super cool. It's with my sister and uh, and can we find that on in on my homepage on your homepage. Okay, yeah. a true athlete. All right, gonna, yeah, I'm going to read that. Uh, I had no idea. See, that's something <laughs> yeah, else. It's, it's not. We're not. Uh, yeah, we we also do a presentation with it. So uh, yeah, it's it's pretty cool. And um, actually, there's a quote in it saying, "What is meant for me will never miss me, and what misses me was never meant for me." live life as everything was rigged in your favor. And I think that's one of the reasons why I could deal with the the crash the day before, because I was really scared uh, on on the day of the Olympics, just because I couldn't really, yeah, know how my body will react because I never crashed before. So I even told myself, okay, maybe you have to break and, and uh, yeah, ski out of the course at the first jump because your body will react in a different way that you're used to because uh, you never crashed before. But it didn't. (laughs) I was really glad for that. And I just had that mantra all day long that, uh, yeah, if it's meant for me, it will never miss me. And I think it's such a powerful quote and it, it always works and it gets you back into the moment. Oh, I love that. I love that. And in a way, crashing you and not being injured obviously to the degree that you were able to go the next day but yeah. it, you almost in a way like kind of felt what was the worst situation and or not maybe the worst but crashing yeah. like you did it and it's like oh okay well now it's done and now I can get down to business and like yeah. you said if it's meant to happen it will 
And it yeah. did. Okay, yeah. so my final question is, what is it like to be on a podium receiving a gold medal? I mean, what, it, was it just surreal? Was it just... Yeah, absolutely. You always see those athletes standing there, singing their hymn or listening to their hymn and crying. And you always imagine yourself to be there one day. And then you're there and and like receiving the medal is... Is, uh, is is wonderful and it's all all day was so surreal and then you stand there and it's the first moment that you really are to your that you really have to yourself where the flag is raised and and there's the hymn and you just I just started crying <laughs> because I, I can't even say why it it was so profound and such uh yeah I, I think kind of everything that I put in came, yeah, you, you realize everything, but it's not like you see a film or something. For me, it wasn't like that. I just felt all, yeah, like kind of every teardrop, every drip of sweat and, and everything, uh, every heartbreak that skiing gave me because it gives you a lot of heartbreaks if you're that passionate about something, but it's also great. And that everything of that just, is there in one moment and you feel it. And, and it's, uh, yeah, I, I cried like a baby. <laughs> I love <laughs> that. It, it was so wonderful. <laughs> oh, well, congratulations because that you. you're in such a small and elite group of, of people who um, are, are just operating at a, at, at a level and, and that requires discipline. It requires, I'm sure, some major sacrifice but it is, it's a feeling that I think is indescribable, but you yet, yet you described it so well. So yeah. <laughs> on that note, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm sure we'll have other questions for you. So maybe we can catch you on an off day again, but all the best to you. Keep doing everything you're doing. Keep moving and grooving. And you yeah. are a fabulous gold medalist overall, not just in, yeah, just, just a humble... Yeah and gracious person. And I'm just grateful to know you. Thank you. Oh, that's so wonderful. I'm, I'm very glad uh, yeah, that, that we met Me <laughs> digitally. Too. And I can't wait to meet you in person. And yeah, I, I can just send the gold medal back to you because what you do, <laughs> yeah, it's so wonderful. I love it. You're Don't say that. I might so take it. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> well, thank so you. Cool. We will meet in person soon. But until then, yes. sending you lots of hugs. And as always, to everyone out there, the listeners, thank you for listening. And go look up Michelle and cheer for her. She's a winner for sure. Pulling for you all. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.